to the frenzy. Hi, I'm Melissa Carter. And I'm Jen Hobby. And here is our promise to you. The Frenzy is here to change the conversation around age. So that you can celebrate all your years rather than lie about them. Real stories by real women. Melissa and I once blew an air horn at a high school basketball game at my high school. Players during the timeout thought it was the actual horn to come back to the game, so they started the game back early. <laughs> and I immediately hid that air horn. <laughs> I'm Jen Hobby, and the only reason I don't have any tattoos is because I was too indecisive on what to get. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get some insight into what the possibilities might have been? Well, I really was on a tattoo kick in the end of high school. Like right when I turned 18, I was like, yeah, this is going to be so cool. I'm going to get it. But I just thought the butterfly for me was too cliche because so many of my friends got it. And I honestly, I just couldn't decide what to get. So I never got one and I have no tattoos. And now I don't want one. Huh. Interesting. You know what else is interesting today, Melissa? I want to say happy birthday to my daughter, Lauren. Oh, Lauren. She is turning eight years old today. What? Eight. 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 I know. I was there. I was there for her birth. Yes. I know. I know. I know. And something I always like to highlight on her birthday is we had to seek out fertility help in order to have her. So if you are, you know, still hoping to have your family and you've had fertility struggles, Melissa knows this very well. There's a lot of ways to have a family. And if you're willing to work really, really hard and spend tons and tons of money, then it's worth every penny that you spend on it. And so I like to share that part of our journey to get Lauren on her birthday. Well, we both, I mean, obviously as a lesbian, I needed help to get Mr. Carter. But yes, I do remember that journey for you. And there's different mm -hmm. types of help that you can get because Jen and I had two different types of procedures. But I do think that, again, we've talked about this before, as a gay, as gay couples, it's understood that we need help. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of straight couples don't talk about it. And there's no yeah. reason to not talk about whatever, whatever it takes, you do it. And then if if you are able to have a beautiful girl like Lauren, then I mean, it, everything, all the sacrifices are worth it. So totally. happy birthday, Lauren. Yes, yes. And Grant and I sought help and we had an, what's called an IUI, an intrauterine insemination in order to get Lauren. But I know a lot of people go through IVF. A lot of folks use donor eggs. You and Katie Jo used a surrogate. Technically a carrier since it was our eggs, because believe it or not, there's a carrier oh. and a surrogate. Surrogate uses her own eggs. Carrier doesn't. I know it's a technicality. I but yes, that. we did. We and we have been honest with Mr. Carter the whole time. Like he knows that there was a boy that had to give his parts to help him get here. And he knows that he grew in someone else's belly other than his mother's. So it's so and, fascinating. And it's Adoption just, is also a big option that I absolutely. know that people can go with to start their family. So if that's something that's always been a dream of yours, then go for it in whatever way you got to make it happen. I always just like to share that on Lauren's birthday because if I I don't, then it just seems like it was easy breezy from the outside looking in, you know, and sometimes well, we go through challenging things, yes. but on the other side of it is the beauty. Well, infertility for women. I have friends who have had been able to have children after they have had some help. It took a long time. And then I've had people who try to get help and nothing came from it. It's a conversation that women need to have with each other and support each other on because of the emotional 
devastation in, in miscarriages too. those who've had miscarriages. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that the reason it's so devastating is the obvious reason, but also because you try to do it alone. Right. And my background, again, as a lesbian is the worst thing about my life ever was it being in the closet, despite every other physical ailment I've ever had, being in the closet and trying to navigate that by myself was the darkest part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why we need to talk. Don't let a woman sit in her own sadness thinking that she's the only one. So that I appreciate you bringing that up because we have children because of technology. Thank goodness yes. for science. Thank because you. That's the only science. reason. Yes. Science that's the only God. Reason Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Thank you so much. All right, friends, coming up on today's episode, you're going to hear an incredible story from this real amazing woman. Her name is Melissa Proctor. She's the chief marketing officer of the Atlanta Hawks. Melissa is proof that career dreams can happen if you believe that life happens for a reason and you get after it. Because as a girl, Melissa dreamed of becoming the first female coach in the NBA, and she goes from ball girl to CMO. And this is an incredible journey. You're going to love hearing her story. Also, you'll hear a way that her mother raised her. It's a way that you're going to want to incorporate it into your own parenting. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of Melissa's mother, too, and you will be. (laughs) Plus, Jen has a pep talk for the week that will help you reflect on how we can take responsibility for our lives. But first, I want to ask you a question. Have you subscribed to the Frenzy podcast yet? Why not? It's absolutely free. Those who have subscribed, we thank you very much. And we ask you to share the scoop and tell a friend about the frenzy. We would appreciate it very much. And we want more women to enjoy and connect with these real stories by real women. Okay, Melissa Carter, before we talk to Melissa Proctor, I want to know what's going on with you. We talk about real stories about real women. And I am all about real modern women because my struggle is I still have guilt over female stereotypes. Okay, so my biggest guilt now that we're so now that we're coming out of this pandemic, and I'm looking toward the time in which everybody's out of their homes, everybody to feel safe out in the communities again. One of the first things I'm going to get is like real for real housekeepers. I want an Alice from the Brady Bunch. Is what I want. And if you have a suggestion, melissaatthefrenzy.com in the Atlanta area, somebody who's retired, because I don't want you to raise my son. I want you to take care of the house so that I can raise my son and I can work. I reflect on the fact that it's the cleaning, it's the cooking, it's the things I don't do well. And there is still in my mind this guilt that Mm. laundry, fashion, like dressing myself, like all these things that I'm not good at. I don't have a keen sense about or an instinct or a joy in. I don't have a joy. I have a joy in baking. I like baking, but I don't like cooking. I don't like cleaning. I don't like putting my outfits together. But you feel like you should? As a woman, there is a part of me that thinks if I was a guy, it wouldn't even cross my mind. If there was laundry piling up as a guy, wouldn't even feel guilty about it. If the house was destroyed, people would say, oh, well, he's just got a bachelor pad. That's what bachelor pad is about. (laughs) You want a bachelor pad. No, I don't want a bachelor pad. What I'm saying is that they get the out. Hmm. So bachelors get the out, right? Even in 2021, you still tell men that, oh, well, when you get married, it's going to be fine, right? We still have this idea, old fashioned idea that it's okay for a man to live by himself and his place be in complete disarray 
if because he's working, he's busy, he doesn't have time for that. And that's really not his thing. But as a single woman living on her own, if I had the same type of house as a single guy did, I would still be judged because I'm a woman and it should it should look better. It should feel better. It should have more style to it. It should have be more more perfumey smelly. And I guess because my doors will soon be open to friends to be able to come over that conversation where it's the oh, I, I wish I had done this. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. And me telling myself, Melissa, why? So it's me following myself, trying to tell myself to stop mm-hmm. thinking that way. And I did not have, Millie Pete, my mother did not, I mean, that's how she lived, right? So it's not that she told me I needed to be that way. I think it's because I tried to reflect her maybe in, internally because she was part of the homemakers association she's the president of the homemakers association and she, <laughs> you know my mother did, you know i liked all the girly things and she did all the girly things and i'm not the girly girly and so and that has nothing to do with me being a lesbian i wouldn't be girly girly if i was straight i just don't right right thing. yeah well and, i think it's it's not a lot of our things but we do feel that pressure to be good at it is there a way to let it go is there a way to let go of that guilt I'm and trying. just that's what I, that's my like you said time. like hiring out of course the housekeepers now that it's safe for them to be in your home that'd be a great help and lift some things off your plate but the other things can you just delegate now we'll say I have IBS the sexy disease of IBS and I found a company and they're not an endorser but I will plug them because they're a new company it's called Modify Health their sole purpose is to feed those with IBS that I took care of before the thank God before the pandemic I found them through a doctor and have been subscribing to them ever so they cook my meals so that has so they send already cooked meals to the house send already cooked meals to the house and just throw them in the microwave they send a week worth a week's worth and they are just this great company they're the, i mean they're customers do they do it for families with really picky children <laughs> well again their <laughs> because... meals it, like i don't choose them i get what they send and okay. i just know that everything long story short if you have ibs or any kind of gut issues there are certain foods you can't have and so they already know that and I, that takes the that's the other reason i don't like cooking is because food and i don't necessarily get along mm-hmm. and so i've never had a love of cooking because i know that i usually suffer after i eat and so this is has taken that burden so half my Brilliant. burden is taken off yeah, by this company, it, they're just anyway, Modify Health. They're a great company. I will I will include a link. We'll get a link to you either through the email or on YouTube. Again, frenzy.com to sign up, subscribe for the email, YouTube search for the frenzy. I know there's a lot of other companies for those who don't have IBS that they could take advantage of. Mm hmm. Because I do think it, it costs you money to have the freedom. So, you know, one thing about having money or being rich or being successful is the fact that it does allow you freedom, but you have to take the, you make the decision to have that freedom, right? Yes, exactly. And, I yeah. heard a podcast the other day talking about how people will say, oh, you got the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce and she gets all this done or like, oh, Oprah has the same 24 hour a day that you do. And, no, they don't. and the, on this podcast, the person was like, no, they don't. They hire out the laundry. They hire out the chef. They hire out the driving. They hi- they just of, work. 
all the things that that you have to do, they don't have to do. So it's not really fair to compare yourself to folks who have the support. But that is the great thing about being able to be successful and welcome money into your life is because then you can take care of those things that you don't want to do. You can delegate it out. I think it's just making that decision and not feeling bad about it. Mm -hmm. Even if you delegate to people in your home, if you're if you have older children that can do stuff, if you have a spouse that can do stuff or or they don't even have to be a spouse, you live with whoever you live with. It could be grandparents, Mm -hmm. parents, lovers, whatever. (laughs) To me, that's lovers, lovers. But whoever you have, again, you have to delegate it without guilt and without control. That's the other thing. It's like you can't be like, Mm -hmm. I can't be the person that cleans my house before the cleaners come. Because then you're not really helping yourself. You're you're embarrassed by the cleaners and the cleaners are like, but isn't that my job? Cleaners aren't embarrassed by what you have because that's their job. And and so it's that's full letting go. So that's my struggle is just understanding that what is it that I want? I want to be a great mom and I want to be an ambitious woman. Do I want to be Susie Homemaker? Absolutely not. Never have wanted to. Do I want to be able to have Betty Crocker give me an award for some recipe that I came up (laughs) with? (laughs) Absolutely not. I just have to be okay with not being good at everything. And I, again, don't think guys have that pressure on them that women do to be that way. And so it's not only to be that inner voice, it's that inner inner voice, voice. right? It's like, you got to silence that, that inner voice that starts getting on to you about not being good at everything and not being a Susie homemaker. You just got to try to turn the volume down on that, or even just say, like, give her a name. What would be her name? Susie Homemaker? Oh, Susie. Betty. Betty. Betty Crocker. Okay. <laughs> Betty Crocker. So, all right. So, Melissa Carter, this is what you're going to do. When that voice creeps up and tells you you're not good at doing the cooking and the cleaning and the tidying and the, all the things, and it's starting to inner voice shame you about it, you just say, oh, hi, Betty. I see you've arrived today. Thank you for showing up. Now I'm going to show you the door. Bye. By like saying like, okay, I see you're here. Okay. Got you. Bye Thank Betty. you. Thank yeah, you. There it is. Bye, Betty. Bye, Betty. Bye, Betty. Bye, Betty. I try to combo those tasks. That's the only other advice that I would give you is that I try to combo those tasks with things that I enjoy. So I love listening to podcasts. I'm into all kinds of them, political ones and not. I'm, non- and- I'm 51 years old. I've tried everything and I still like, still hate I, it, honey. I, my house I, that's, my, that's how I enjoy it. It's like, you know, being able to, being able to kind of escape through listening or audio books. Like I have friends that'll like listen to audio books. Like ironing though. You like that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you like this stuff. I really don't love it. I would just say that I like the end result of it a lot. Like I love having clean countertops. I oh, do too. I want something about that. Though. That's like a, Deep breath of oxygen. If I ever had penis envy, it's the, the, the how guys can be excused and people scramble to help them get that mm. other stuff done so that they can be ambitious men. Mm-hmm. That's what I have envy in, is that okay. people, autom- they give men a pass. You yeah. just need to marry a Betty Crocker. <laughs> Can that happen here in the next couple hours? <laughs> I'm going to get on that. Okay. Sure. Uh, Bumble.com. I've, I've swiped <laughs> Melissa Carter. Let's see. Interested to find a housewife. <laughs> 
I'm you're like, uh-uh, no, no, I don't want that. No. <laughs> you're like, Jen, I know you're joking, but this is not funny. He's not joking. Jen's not joking. You're not joking. You're going to be, look, I helped bring Grant and Jen together. And now oh, she's yes. going to try to. I'm going to try to get you back out there dating, but I ne would not necessarily match you with a Betty Crocker. I don't think that's I, really I your vibe. That's not even, that's not even my focus. That goes back to the focus. I just, I, I be a good mom and be a, a good entrepreneur. My thought is too, is for the women who have the same guilt, it's okay. And if you have daughters, please don't pass that guilt onto them. So true. And I plan to teach my son that that's not what to expect of women either. Uh, he's getting a pretty good education at this point in our life to where we explain to him that it's not a woman's job to do these things. See, here it is. The frenzies where you get to hear the real life side of things. Melissa's inner Betty Crocker. Bye, Betty. Bye, yeah. Betty. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to use that all the time now. <laughs> Well, we believe in celebrating women at every age, and that's why we celebrate all of our stories here together on The Frenzy. We want you to think about who you can share your real-life stories with in yeah. your own life. Now, I do want to say quickly on a different note that now that we're in April, I want people to just understand that April is Organ Donor Awareness Month, and I am a kidney transplant recipient for those who don't know. We just ask that be an organ donor, and it's not, it's not as simple as putting it on your driver's license. You have to have the conversation with your family because you never know what's going to happen. But if you can say to your family, you can always register online, whatever state you're in, that you can register on the organ donor list. But just let people know, hey, if something happens to me, I want to be able to donate my organ. And the reason for that is the grim truth is when it happens in the hospital, if a family doesn't understand that this is going to be asked, the doctors ask if something, if they can't save a patient and the patient's in the hospital, they ask the family, would you like to donate their organs? And when a family is not prepared for that question, they usually go off on the doctor as that the, they're being horrible people. And so that's why I say talk to your family so that if that ever mm -hmm. happens to you and the doctor says it to your family, then you can say, yes, absolutely. That's what they wanted. Gosh, you can save up to 60 lives. Amazing. Uh, just yourself, just I did not know that. That's amazing. Yeah. So I think it'd be really important. cool if they couldn't save you to have your parts go on and still give life. That's an amazing gift. This journey uh, of being a transplant recipient and the people I've met and the events I've been a part of, it's been incredibly, I mean, it'll choke you up to see the people who it's not. And these organ recipients understand where those organs came from. So the other thing, not only will the organ continue to work, but the person within who the organ is, that person honors that donor for the rest of their life. So it's a legacy that is honored and sacred in the transplant community. So it's not an effort that that is taken for granted by any means. People who wear buttons every day of the picture of the person who donated their hearts, their livers, their kidneys. I had a oh. living recipient. I get to honor my donor in person because kidneys, you can donate a kidney and a liver, part of your liver living, but lungs and heart, obviously you can't. You should talk to a heart and lung recipient and they will talk all day about their donor because wow. they that's who their hero is. So Organ Donation Awareness Month, we're just asked, be an organ donor would really appreciate it. So we're going to get inspired now by Melissa Proctor, who is CMO with the Atlanta Hawks in just a minute. But first, let's thank our sponsor. 
Cancer sucks. And finding out your best friend, coworker, or family member has cancer sucks even more. You think, what can I do to help? The answer is Kick It Pajamas. Designed by cancer survivors and caretakers, Kick It Pajamas is clothing for those undergoing cancer treatment, either in the hospital or in chemotherapy. Their pajamas and clothing are stylish, comfortable and functional for IV lines and other medical treatment. Go to kickitpajamas.com to stylishly dress your loved one for their battle. With every purchase, a portion of proceeds goes to supporting cancer research and support groups. Kickitpajamas.com. Let's kick cancer off the planet. Hey, did you know that sponsorships for The Frenzy are still available? If you or someone you know is interested in sponsoring The Frenzy, email us at melissa at thefrenzy.com or jen at thefrenzy.com. Our featured guest today is Melissa Proctor. She's CMO of the Atlanta Hawks. Now, Melissa has an incredible story. She dreamed of becoming the first female coach in the NBA, and she became a ball girl at a young age for the Miami Heat. She made her way all the way up the chain to chief marketing officer for the Atlanta Hawks. She is fiercely powerful in her guiding principles. She's got Caribbean roots you're going to hear about and her incredible mom raised her in a way that you're going to want to incorporate into your own parenting, just like Melissa does in her life. So please help us welcome Melissa Proctor to the frenzy. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here with you guys. We We are so excited for this conversation. We've been like giddy about having you on the show. For someone listening who is just getting to know you, can you tell us about your career in sports? How did it get started? Absolutely. Well, I'm originally from Miami, Florida. I live in Atlanta, Georgia now. But as a kid, I was all into art, all into graphic design and and visual arts. And when I was around 15, I started watching basketball with one of my cousins in Miami. And she was a big Heat fan. My parents are from the Caribbean. My mom was from Belize. My father was from Jamaica. And so I didn't grow up watching traditional sports. And so, you know, I just love watching the game. And when I was 15, I remember going to my mother and asking her if I can go get a job. And she said, you can only get a job if it's connected to whatever you want to do for the rest of your life. And so at 15, I decided I wanted to become the first female coach in the NBA. Don't ask me why. I never played basketball a day in my life. And she said, (laughs) okay, go get a job in the NBA. And so it was almost because I had no other option is how my career in sports started. So I wrote letters. I drew all over the envelopes and on the letters. I called the community relations person. They sent me to the equipment manager, called him so many times that he said, you know, if you call me one more time, I'm not going to hire you. And then I kept on calling. And then ultimately he was like, okay, kid, come on in, you know, for a preseason game. I had never been to a professional sporting event in my life. Prior to that, they asked me to rebound. I did not know what I was doing. And ultimately it became one of the most amazing jobs I've ever had. Your mother, I want to go, there's, there's so many things in that story, Melissa, but first of all, that your mother said that to get a job in something that's, that you want to do the rest of your life. And then secondly, the fact that when somebody, especially a guy says, if you call me one more time, I'm not hiring you. And for you to have the forethought to understand he was not telling the truth and you kept calling, like, where did you learn these things? And where did your mother learn to tell her daughter that? You know, it's so crazy because my mom, I mean, I'm a first generation American. She probably came to the state in her 20s, 30s, she had me at 42 when I was her first and only child. And I think there's so much to be said for that because she lived. And at that point, she's just like, look, she had gray hair. She was salt and pepper from the time she was 20. So everyone thought she was my grandma growing up. I'm like, that's my mom. She just had this 
attitude of, you know, if you don't ask, you won't get. So we would go to the flea market. She would haggle for anything. She had a beautiful smile. She was a nurse. So the doctors would give her things. And like, she just had this way about her. So she was like, look, she always told me nothing beats a trial but a failure. I've learned in life that she probably said it backwards. But regardless of the case, she was like, always try. And so I think her audacity and spirit was just the worst they're going to say is no. And I'm grateful for that lesson because it served me so well throughout my career because I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? That's amazing. Okay, so you get this job as a ball girl. What's that like? What's it like to be a ball girl in the NBA? You know, it was awesome. But at the time, I had no idea what I was getting into. I mean, even the equipment manager, before he brought me on board, he tried to deter me. He was like, you know, you get here hours before the game starts. You leave hours after it ends. You mop up sweat. You fold towels. You hand out Gatorade. Help the players run drills. And I didn't know what that meant because I never played. And so when I started, there were all ball boys. And this was before there were any women who were coaches in the NBA or referees. Women weren't allowed in the locker rooms back then. And so the guys could go in the locker room and I had to stay on the court because I literally, that's all I could do. And it was the best education for me. So I ended up working with some of the assistant coaches before the doors to the arena even opened. So Stan Van Gundy was an assistant at the time and he would help, you know, run drills with the players. And he was diving for loose balls and doing stuff. And so he would say, hey, Melissa, stand here, do this, do set this pick. And I would be an active part of that pregame. And then once the game started, it was you know, helping to rebound. When the game itself started, it was whatever players are at the free throw line, it's taking your mop and making sure you dry the court because they're sweating. And if they slip, you know, that could be costly for the game. And so it's a very important role that most people don't really think about. It's just kind of the kids they see in the corner. There's so many times where, you know, you got to run and get out the way. And when I initially started, our team owners, their son was a ball boy and they had a daughter and she sat on the sidelines every game. And so when I came on board, she decided, oh, there's a girl, I can do it too. So she came on board and did it with me and it was the most amazing. So she's my sister to this day. Oh, that's fantastic. Will you talk a little bit more about male mentorship? Because here you are, you said you're the first to do this as a woman on that team and in the NBA, like one of the first women to do any of these jobs. I think for a lot of women, sometimes it is that male versus female in the office space. And, you know, we always encourage the frenzy women to mentor younger women to make sure they can see themselves in these positions. But in your case, and for some women who have no women in the office to help them out, Talk about male mentorship and how it's more prevalent than people probably think when it comes to women. You know, it's interesting because I truly believe that you can't be what you can't see. You know, seven years before I got this position, I never imagined myself being a CMO of an NBA team. Not that I couldn't be, you know, I I think I thought it was absolutely feasible. But, you know, throughout my career, I've had amazing mentors, both male and female. Early on in my career, when I first started out of college, I got an internship at Turner Broadcasting. And I remember Going into the environment, no one looked like me when I started within my immediate group. And I didn't feel like I fit in. And I remember going to the then president of the network, who was a man. You know, he asked all the interns what they thought about, you know, their their internship. And I said, you know, it's been great, but I don't really feel like I fit in. And ultimately, he was like, stop right there. You know, you are here for what you bring to our department. We didn't have anyone that looks like you or has your background or has your perspective. And that's what we lack. And so that's why you're here. So the worst thing you could do is come into this environment and try to be something that you're not. The best thing you can do is be 100% yourself. 
And that person ended up becoming a mentor who was actually now my boss many, many years later. And that was the best advice I could have ever received at that point in my career. So right now, being an African-American woman with locks and a nose ring working for an NBA team, I don't fit the stereotype of what people would expect to be in this role. But having the freedom at age 22 to have someone in a senior position and a male position of power to unlock the key to say, no, you are enough, you know, just bring you every day to what you do and you will succeed. It's been the case. And so I'm a huge proponent of mentorship, not necessarily either male or female. I think they're both important. I have a no jerk policy when it comes to mentors. Mm -hmm. It's all about authenticity and building a real relationship because at the end of the day, there's no getting around that. I love that policy. Everybody should have that policy. Yes. Just in general, no yes. jerks in my life, my family, my friends, my job. Yeah. But it's interesting because some people are so determined in thinking that one person is the gatekeeper. And even if they don't treat them well, they still keep trying. And I'm like, why well, do that? Let it go. Mm-hmm. Melissa, tell us about working in this male dominated field of sports. Are there pros to it? Are there cons to it? What have you experienced? You know, that's a great question because when I initially started, even when I when I was graduating from college and before I graduated college, during the summers, I would go back and volunteer for the heat when helping with scouting reports, whether the draft or free agency. And that was all men traditionally in the basketball side of the business. And it was very different for me because in my mind, I still wanted to be the first female coach in the NBA. And I had one of the assistant coaches tell me, he's like, a man will never respect you because you've never played their game. And at the time I was kind of offended, but over time I've come to realize like, Mel, you've never even played basketball. So like, how are you going to coach? I I got it at that point. But, you know, at at another time, someone told me, you know, you don't get paid to think, you get paid to do what I tell you to do. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't don't subscribe to that. And so I don't necessarily think it's a male-female thing. It's a personality thing. Mm -hmm. And so in coming to the Hawks and the organization, my day one, it was a very different organization than we have today. Different ownership, different people, different players. And I had just had my daughter. She was two months old when I started. There was no lactation rooms. There was no, you know, there were so many things that I needed as a woman in this organization that didn't exist. But with the right leadership and being and speaking up and using your voice to kind of share that, I think being a woman in an environment like that is so beneficial because you see things that other people don't get traditionally, especially if there are men all around. I'm like, hey, did you realize there are a lot of women who are going to these games who are buying? What things can we do? How do we incorporate different messaging? I find that for myself, having a seat at the table and using that voice has been the most beneficial and appreciated when you're in the right environment with people who respect you. What you just said, speaking your voice and it being appreciated in the right environment. Jen and I talk a lot on The Frenzy about women using their voice and speaking up and and being comfortable in themselves. And we talk about how women sometimes are trained to wait on other people to give them something, right? So women wait on someone else to provide them something. And in your case, Melissa, you have spoken up not only to when you were at the internship at Turner, and like you said, with the lactation stations and everything, you speak your voice and results happen. So uh, for women who are out there who are afraid to use that voice and want to make that change now that they're older, they're like, I, I want this confidence. I want to to convey that. What are some of the steps they can take to, to be comfortable in speaking up? You know, it, it's interesting because for me, it was I I had to learn it as well because earlier, I I don't think I spoke up as much. You know, I would be the woman sitting at the table and someone has to take notes and it's out of like, oh, okay, of course, Melissa's going to take notes. And I think through lived experiences, it's definitely internal confidence first and foremost, because if it doesn't come from within, you know, that's like point one. 
And I was like, no, I don't need to be the one taking notes. It's understanding that we have equity and equity starts in your mind first and foremost. By using that power and regaining it is one thing. I think on the other side, it's never too late to start. You know, I, I wrote a book recently from ball girl to CMO. And in my initially, I had a tagline that says how to pivot when you don't know what you want to be when you grow up. And even now as a CMO of an NBA team, I have no idea what I want to be when I grow up. You know, like, and that's freeing because when you remove the expectations from yourself, you almost go back to a childlike space of nothing but opportunity. And you can look around you and see, I'm curious, I want to learn more about this. You do it versus the mentality like, I'm in my job. This is it for the rest of my life. Here I am. And so I meet with a lot of women who have been in their careers for a long time. And they're like, how did you change? And I was like, I decided to pivot. Sometimes that may mean doing the job you want before you have it. You mean interning or creating opportunities to volunteer, to get more knowledge or experience in a way that you may not have. But knowing that the world is yours and it's open to you and you gain confidence by just freeing your mind and understanding that. One little follow up, because when you said that, it reminded me I was raised in a Christian environment, but was fascinated by Buddhism in college. And that's one of the things that they teach in Buddhism is the fact that don't attach yourself to the result. Yeah. Let the result go. And like you said, when you re- when you let that go, which is very hard in a goal oriented, competitive United States society. But when you let the result go, you're right. You end up enjoying the moments, you know, living in the moment like you're supposed to instead of just having your mind in the wrong place. A hundred percent. And it's funny because when I say I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, people are like, oh, does that mean you just will do whatever? And it's frivolous. And I've actually kind of reconstructed in my mind what success means. And so instead of being focused on a title or position or a dollar amount, I've looked at my life now and I write about this in my book around the idea of guiding principles and defining what my non-negotiables are for my life and almost the filter that I would use against any opportunity that comes my way, personally or professionally. For me, my guiding principles, I call them my starting five. One of them is being creative and strategic. Starting out as an artist and now being in the business world and corporate, if I know I can do both of those things together, that's where I thrive. So I look for those opportunities. The second, I get bored really easily. (laughs) So (laughs) if I can do it in my sleep, I don't need to be doing it. So I'm always looking for opportunities or just ways that I can add more tools to my personal toolbox to continue to learn and grow and be challenged. The third one, my mom was horrible with money growing up, lights getting cut off. And and so I made a promise to myself, I'd always put my bills on time or ahead. And then since I've had my daughter, I want to be able to invest in her future and help other people understand how to do that. So that's really important to me. The fourth is some semblance of work-life harmony. I know that people talk about balance. I'm like, that does not exist. (laughs) But at some points when I need to be home, I can really be home. When I need to be at work, I can really be at work. But if my daughter has a dance recital on a Thursday at two o'clock, I know that I can leave and do that because, you know, no matter where I am, I'm going to give 100% of myself. And the last one kind of goes back to my earlier story around just authenticity, being able to bring my entire self to work every day and not have fear of like, oh, you got to cut your hair or we don't like how you dress. That's not going to fly here. I know those environments won't work for me. So I know that I have happiness when all of those needs are met. And that really is kind of more of a different way to approach it. But it's more of a freeing mentality because now I'm like, the world is open. I could be a professor. I could be an actress. I could I can do anything as long as it meets those criteria. And in my mind, that is what success is. How do women get out of people pleasing? 
because it sounds to me like these five principles are a great filter for you, Mm -hmm. but so many women feel stuck in making everybody else happy. How do they shed that skin? Well, I wish I could tell you, because that's a bajillion dollar question. And I know I've been guilty of it, you know, many times in my life. I'm definitely the the happy-go-lucky kind of collaborator, you know, working together with people. But I'll tell you, being in this position and the more, you know, kind of the higher you go up the ladder, people aren't always going to like you. And it's definitely helped me to get thicker skin where I'm kind of like, you know what, it is what it is. I'm going to make the best decision for our business or for my life or for my team and hope that people can respect it. But treating others with respect is important. You know, there's a lot of different leadership styles and some people are fear-based. Some people will just yell and cuss and try to get the emotion out of you. And I'm like, look, life's too short. So personally, I think having the lived experiences to know that people pleasing won't ultimately get yield a result you may be thinking it will is one thing, but I really think you got to go through some of those experiences in order to get there. Cause it doesn't matter what I say for someone who's a people pleaser, that's a hard thing to, to let go of and therapy, therapy works. I, <laughs> I'm a huge believer in it. You know, yeah. some of that you have to work through because you're compensating for something, or you think that people not liking you is going to make you not successful. And that's not the case. I would love for you to talk about being a mother and being such a high ranking professional. For some, there's a guilt. You know, it maybe goes back to the people pleasing that Jen talked about where there's a people pleasing with your children. And you mentioned that if your child has a 2 p.m. recital, you get to go do it. So how did you structure that for yourself and talk about that balance of being a mom and being a professional? Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's tough. You know, I truly believe in family first. That has always been a thing for me. I was married and got divorced a couple of years ago. And now myself and my ex-husband, we co-parent our daughter and I've been homeschooling for the Mm -hmm. past year, literally, and CMOing at the same time. And so that is no easy feat. And, you know, she's probably joined every Zoom meeting that I've been on. So the first thing I'll say is have grace for yourself first, you know, and for your kid. Because this, I mean, even in this specific world in the pandemic, like there's so many things that are not normal. And so you got to give yourself a break. The other thing that really helps me is I believe in setting boundaries and I didn't do it very well early on in my career. And so now it's important to me. I know what I need to feel fulfilled and ready to go. I'm a huge Caribbean music fan. Soca is life for me. And so I will go to a carnival or a party in a minute. I love to dance and drink rum. That is my book. (laughs) And so creating those opportunities where I'm able to do that and still, you know, then be there for my child and I got a Peloton recently. I'm a huge Pelotoner and, and love it. Being able to exercise and work out all the things that help keep me balanced, both physically, personally. You know, I'm a believer and faith. So I get up every morning. I pray. I read my devotionals and those things kind of keep me centered. But I have to do that first for me before I can pour into my daughter or pour into my job. The balance that I mentioned that it's harmony. There's no balance in everything, but I truly believe in, you know, my daughter comes first and there are days where she's on the iPad a little bit longer than I'd like, <laughs> but I got a lot of meetings. And so, Hey, yeah. it's okay. But other days I'm kind of like, she really needs to get this math principle down. So I'm going to skip out on this meeting or just listen in and not put my camera on so we can talk about it. And it's hard, you know, it's, it, and I realize as she grows, I have to also adjust because she's becoming a different person every day. Melissa, if you will, we have what we call the frenzy five. Okay. It's just five Uh quick questions, rapid fire off the top of your head. And since you guys are both Melissa's, Melissa's going to ask you the frenzy five. Yes. uh, Our kindred spirit. Okay. Here we go. And And you spell it right. We spell it right. Yes. Melissa and I spell our names correctly. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody else. The rest of them, but we got it. 
<laughs> you need, yeah, when the pandemic's over, you need to go to the records office and change the spelling because it's been wrong. Okay, so first thing comes to your mind, Melissa, okay? First question of the Frenzy Five, where is your cozy, happy place? My cozy, happy place is in Jamaica, Montego Bay, likely at... Oh, man, I can't remember the hotel. It's like my favorite place, and I go there all the time. But Montego Bay, Jamaica. And there's some rum in your system at the time. Okay. Frenzy, <laughs> I like I, yeah, I know. Frenzy 5, question 2. What's your favorite framed thing in your home? It's a picture of my mom and I at my college graduation, and it's in a Here Comes Drama picture frame that I designed when I was at TNT as an intern. What's your most memorable birthday? Ooh, probably my 30th birthday where my boyfriend at the time threw a huge surprise party for me with a steel pan and all of my friends were there and I was totally surprised and it was like an amazing experience. Nice, nice. I, I won't ask where he is now. All right, Frenzy 5 number 4. <laughs> still friends, okay. What's a daily routine or ritual that you stick to? It has been my Bible app every morning. I open it up first thing and I, they have this really cool feature that almost feels like an Instagram story where you can read some scripture and hear someone talk and it's fantastic and there's a prayer at the end. So I do it every single day. I'm on a streak. And then after that, my Peloton. Alex, right. my favorite coach. We do club bangers and it gives me life. Fantastic. All right. And the final question of our Frenzy 5, what fashion trend did you jump on? Wow. I am so not fashionable. I wear Nikes and Jordans. I don't know if that's a fashion trend, but I have really big feet. I'm size 11 in women. So I am a sneaker fanatic. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to get to know you and you've got such awesome advice. We want everyone to go and get your book. Tell us a little bit about the book from ball girl to CMO. Where can everybody get it? It's on Amazon or you can go to my website, melissamproctor.com. It's a little more content on there and my artwork, my original art pieces are on there as well. Or if you like, you can follow me on Instagram at melissamproctor. If you send me a message, I promise you I'll respond. But thank you guys. Thank you for this platform. Platform. I love what you're doing, especially as a woman over 40, like this rocks. So thank you. Yes. Yay. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you Melissa. so much. The Frenzy is throwing you a pink moon pajama party. It's our first ever event virtual this year, of course, and we're only allowing the first 100 VIPs inside. There will be dazzling prizes, games with a real Hollywood game show host, a dream expert, and psychic readings. Jen and I cannot wait to party with you in our PJs on Saturday, April 24th at 8.30. Pajamas are mandatory. You must bring something pink and enjoy something to drink. Makeup, of course, optional. Champagne suggested. But why is it called Pink Moon? Well, the Pink Moon is upon us. April's full moon rises on the night of Monday, April 26th. Traditionally called the Pink Moon, this full moon is also a spectacular supermoon. So the perfect time to have a party. So how do you get inside? Well, you first subscribe to the Frenzy email list at thefrenzy.com. That's spelled F-R-I-E-N-D like friend Z-Y dot com. You got to do this by April 16th. That's a Friday. And then you'll get an email inviting you to the party with a Zoom link to follow. It's that simple. Again, go to thefrenzy.com, sign up for our email list by Friday, April 16th, and we will then see you at our first ever Pink Moon Pajama Party on April 24th. All right, so let's grab a quick question out of the You Don't Know My Life box. All right, and the question for today is, what's something you own and adore that was previously owned by somebody else. Most of the clothes in my closet belong to my friend Elena. <laughs> 
and she has an online shopping problem and that's hilarious really so i get a lot of her clothes she's got much better style than me so i really love wearing her clothes oh my god that's great (laughs) that is not the answer i expected some of the cutest dresses in my closet were hers and she just shops so much she literally runs out of room and when she does a closet clean out i'm like don't give it to goodwill let me come over first and so i'll bring a bottle of wine and be like here you drink wine i'm going through your closet wow yeah but how wonderful Isn't that, that y'all funny? are the same size i know i know super lucky oh my god that's great yeah, mine is incredibly <laughs> sentimental sorry yeah. <laughs> Is I don't know supposed to answer. Oh, yes, you answer. Wait, what's the first that comes to mind? Well, mine is in my home, I have a UT hat in a box frame. When I had my transplant, I was in quarantine for three months. And during that time, UT, when they had a good football team, uh, were part of the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. And I missed out, but the show we were on had Coach Fulmer at the time call and wish me good luck. And it was a wonderful experience. Well, then the year later, when I was back up and healthy, they were back in the Peach Bowl and they invited me to be a part of the team as we went around Choa to pass out hats and the guys signed the hats and gave them to kids. I remember I was there helping pass out the hats and I passed them out. uh, And there was uh, one room where the kid was not there, having gone being tested or was asleep or something, dropped the hat off, didn't think twice about it. A few years later, got an email from that kid's brother who said, would you like this hat back? His sister had unfortunately passed away, mm-hmm. but she remembered me. Now, she did not know I was there with the team. She just knew I was a UT fan mm-hmm. because she listened to our morning show. Her final, one of her final wishes is that I got this UT hat. Oh. And so her brother came to the radio station and gave me the hat and I and I took him to lunch and I explained to him honey I'm I gave this hat to your sister and she didn't even know his email wow. and the hat I put in a box frame and I have it in my home and so it's one of my favorite things that I own beautiful so beautiful way better than borrowed clothes <laughs> no my it's friend a, I, mean, the shopping I, I will never forget that i mean not the hat i would never forget the hat but i mean the fact that elena and you were the same size i mean that is so beautiful that the fact that you have the ability, everybody needs a friend who's the same size. I know. And the one who has the shopping online addiction is it's great. It is really a great trait. Well, see, so you're doing a, a service for her. You're doing a service for her, right? You're helping her out. Or are you enabling her? It doesn't matter. You get to benefit from that. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I I'm totally fine to get the hand-me-downs. <laughs> All right. Now, Jen has your talk for this week. Okay. I heard something recently and I'm just passing this forward. Do you know who Abby Wambach is? Olympian U.S. soccer star, right? So she's been a champion of all things soccer and she's an author. She is married to an author, Glennon Doyle, and they do a lot on social media and talk about things. And I'm a fan of both of them. But I recently heard Abby Wambach in an interview. And she said, we teach our kids that you can blame, shame, or claim in your life. And you've got a choice on what you're going to do. And I thought, gosh, that is so genius. A, because I like things that rhyme and those are easy to remember. (laughs) But you really have to think about that. In your life, you have a choice. You can blame, you can shame, or you can claim. 
And it's resonated with me for the last week. So I'm just passing it along to you. So when you're facing a difficult situation, something in your life that's not going the way that you want it to go, what are you going to do? Are you going to blame somebody else for it? Are you going to shame somebody else for it? Are you going to actually claim responsibility for what's going on in your life? If you can choose claim, the outcome is going to be better 100% of the time. Toughest pill to swallow sometimes. The roughest path leads to much better pastures. And then I think you also have to remember if you're on the other side of that. If somebody is blaming or shaming you, it's probably because they're not claiming responsibility for their own actions. That's true. Love it, Jen Hobby. Blame, shame, or claim. You got the choice. We want you to please subscribe to the Frenzy podcast and leave a review. Leave a review saying, hey, you know what? Blame, shame, or claim made a difference in my life, changed my life. You can also sign up for our weekly email and we will actually send the episode right to you in your inbox. And we promise not to bug the crap out of you with your email address too. We're going to pay much respect to that. We only send one with the new show. We only send one email with the new show. Okay. And that's once a week. So sign up at thefrenzy.com. Is there a friend of yours who would enjoy this episode? Please share this with her. Plus, we want you to check out our brand new YouTube channel. It is live with videos and extended interviews. So if you like this show, please share about it. If you post it on your social media, please tag us at The Frenzy so we can see it, like it, and share it as well. And we want to thank some of our listeners who have left an awesome review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, and I apologize because some of the two that I'm going to read to you are from people people who have code for their sign-in on Apple. So I can't give you props. Can't say, hey, Abigail, great job, because uh, this is not, uh, it's A-H-K-O-4-N-P-T. Appreciate that. Enjoying hearing these two together again. I'm three episodes in and have found something relatable in every single episode. Also from AKLKI98, as a 45-year-old female, it's nice to hear people celebrate our age. Jen and Melissa have such an easy rapport. Glad to have them to listen to. So thank you so much. And so many other people who have thanked us and given us great reviews. We really do appreciate it. And we love being here for you. So it's so fun to see that you feel the same way. And when you subscribe and rate and review the podcast, it helps other people find it. So we would really appreciate that. Soundtrack produced by Tammy Hurt for Placement Music, written and recorded by Placement Music creative team member Mark Daniels. The Frenzy's graphic design is by Helen Vickers and web design by Caden Jacobs. These are real stories by real women. Thank you so much for the gift of your time. We appreciate you. All right. Until next week, trust your guts. Share your story. And stop, stop lying about, about your age. age. Yes. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>